Radio. Conversations with Daniel Noor. Tackling the tough questions on cradio.org.au. Conversations with Daniel Noor is an edgy topical podcast featuring an expert on a hot topic in society speaking to myself. Every couple of weeks, you can tune in and get up to speed. Do not fake it. You would be tempted to fake it. People often want you to answer. Say, listen, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. I need to check in with my conversations with Daniel Noor. I need to do some research. I'll get back to you. Know what Catholicism says about the stuff that matters. Today is the second in a two-part series entitled, What is Islam? And we are very lucky to have with us Abdullah Kunda, a postgraduate research student who has studied Islam at the Cordoba Academy, the Avicenna Academy, and the Abu Hanifa Institute. He has a particular interest in Orthodox Islamic theology, and especially in the Kalam method. Thank you for joining us again, Abdullah. No, thanks for having me, Daniel. I think people should also know that you are an avid Doctor Who fan. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. You've done your research well. It's relevant. And is there a name for who, and I'm just abbreviating to who, uh, you know, followers, followers of the Doctor? Uh, the Whovians. The Whovians. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's very, very trendy, I must say. <laughs> very trendy and very cool. Um, all right. Last week, just to review, we discussed the role of Islam in the Arabian Peninsula, in the, uh, in the spread of the faith. What are some of the differences between Sunni and Shiite Islam? And that was very interesting, actually. And is there such a thing as moderate Islam is where we will pick up from today? So certainly it's a term that I've heard Muslims refer to themselves with. I'm a moderate Muslim. And it, of course, connotes that there are extremist Muslims out there. I suppose some people would say it also suggests that there are immoderate Muslims, that Islam is a thing to be moderated, and that they say, therefore, this is not a great description. What do you think? Well, I, I do think that it's a fair term. Uh, I certainly would accept that it's a term that, that some Muslims do find offensive. Uh, and uh, the, uh, for lack of a better term, black and white Muslims, which tend to be the ones that ascribe to a very literal understanding of the sacred text, would probably argue that there's no such thing as moderate Islam. There's Islam and not Islam. Uh, funnily enough, these are the, the groups that most of us, uh, Muslim and non-Muslim, would consider to be uh, extremist or, or fundamentalist. Now, uh, fundamentalist, on the other hand, just while we're there, is a term that I do have a problem with. Uh, I think that anyone that's following uh, a religion according to its orthodox tenets is fundamentalist, um, but it's come to be sort of a, a dirty word uh, these days. But in terms of Islam itself, well, it allows for a spectrum of observance within the boundaries of orthodoxy, and so it's quite easy for one to uh, adopt a, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, a less practicing lifestyle um, or a more practicing Islam, and it's up to Islam light, uh, if you like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and as I said, I mean that is within the boundaries of orthodoxy. And uh, and like last week, we we can draw parallels to Catholicism there. Um, you know, I'd imagine that there's the uh, the individuals that are really uh, set on fulfilling all of the sacraments. We call them um, trannies. 
yeah, that's right, you know, and uh, attending Mass perhaps every day and so on. And then there'd be ones that would attend Mass maybe once a week or perhaps less. Um, and whatever the Church defines as being uh, the limits of orthodoxy, um, as long as one fits within that, well, then they're, um, you know, they're, they're following the religion in, in, in some way. Does that make sense? So, so, okay, so you're saying that moderate Muslims can be seen to be uh, orthodox, but not perhaps with the, I don't know, the vigour of those who would see the the faith lived to the letter? Uh, not not quite. I, I think that uh, moderate Islam is orthodox Islam. Um, and, uh, and, and the, you know, the, there's a good term, that uh, an English term that goes around, which is that Islam tries to find the radical middle way. Uh, and we sort of spoke about this last week in terms of you know, micro-theological tenets as well as general practice. Now, I guess what I mean in, in terms of practical... Yeah, what, what, I, <laughs> uh, what I mean in terms of a, uh, a, uh, uh, an example of practice would be, say, a Muslim who prays the obligatory five prayers a day and no more yes. versus a Muslim who perhaps prays uh, ten or more uh, okay. Derogatory prayers in okay. a day, uh, and so on. All right. So, what are the basic tenets of Islam? What does every Muslim have to do? Okay. Well, every Muslim has to believe that God is one, and that Muhammad, peace be upon him, was his final prophet to mankind. Uh, they must believe in the revelations uh, that have been given to mankind, and in particular in the Quran as as being the word of God. Uh, they must pray, fast. Uh, give the charity uh, zakat if they're able to do so. Uh, they must fulfil the pilgrimage requirements if they're able to do so. Uh, and then there's a couple of other theological tenets that they have to believe in, like uh, the the resurrection, the day of judgment, uh, and also the the fact that uh, God is ultimately in control of everything. That there's a divine decree, there's a divine order to everything. Um, Effectively, anyone that believes and practices those things uh, qualifies as being a Muslim. Uh, and then there's particular um, caveats within those things. So, for example, one can't say, I believe that God is one, uh, but I believe that God is uh, a fan or a material object or okay. you know, so on. <laughs> well, yes, that would be a giveaway, I feel. God is one, and he is um, also a Dulux fan. But my, <laughs> I guess I did have a question for you last week that has been on the back burner. You have given us a creed, as it were, of, of the beliefs of the faith, a uh, belief in uh, resurrection after death, a belief in judgment, that the, in the oneness of God. Now, on what basis... Do you see Shiites, now Abdullah's a, a Sunni Muslim, do you see Shiites as valid Muslims? Uh, it depends on, on your, what you mean by valid Muslims. Now, um, I'll, I'll qualify about it and be quite clear. I think that... Real? Um, like, are they, like, yeah, are they legitimate? Yeah, so, I mean, Shiite theology is sufficiently heterodox that it, I would not consider it to be Islamic theology. I would consider it to be based upon Islamic theology, but not be Islamic theology. Um, now, in terms of then, you know, what's the, the logical follow-on from that? Well, the logical follow-on is that they're not, uh, they're not Muslim, um, but that's where it begins and, and ends. Um, you know, it doesn't, 
doesn't go on any further than than that, and it certainly doesn't justify um, any sectarian violence or, or yes. what have you. I mean, I myself, you know, would not pray behind a she. Um, you know, I would not undertake religious observance of any kind with them. Um, you know, I follow the religious rulings that it's forbidden to marry them and so on. Um, and uh, I, as, I, as I said last week, I think that there's very strong parallels between, say, the, you know, the Roman Catholic view of, of uh, Protestant Christians or Reformed Christians and, and our view, perhaps, perhaps maybe prior Vatican II. Um, now, is, is my view the, the common view amongst Muslims on the street today? Probably not, but, uh, but it's certainly the view of Orthodox theologians. Okay. All right. So you've given us a, a sketch there, but isn't it true that they adhere to all of those tenets that you just outlined, like the resurrection? Right. E- excellent question. And, and here are the caveats that, that it comes with. So, for example, um, while they don't ascribe prophethood to uh, their uh, imams that, that come after the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, they describe they, they pardon me ascribe essential attributes of prophets to them, um, which is a problem with theology. Likewise, there are particular problems with their theology surrounding uh, the divine being. Uh, for example, they have a, a very different view to us on, and, and this may sound like semantics, but I'm sure a Roman Catholic can appreciate that semantics in theology are rather important. Um, they have a very different view to us with regards to the divine decree and how, uh, uh, and therefore God's foreknowledge and, and so on. Uh, they also have a very uh, different view to the, the nature of God. So, for example, one of the things that that we affirm uh, is that God creates all things, even things that we perceive as evil. They have a uh, a less occasionalist view. They they believe that that God doesn't create things that we perceive as evil. That ultimately they're the outcomes of our actions. Mm. Um, and uh, and as I said, that for us is theologically extremely problematic. Um, and and likewise, they take um, I guess. Uh, Aristotelianism and and Platonism to extremes that that we don't. So, for example, they deny uh, the vision of God that we affirm the believers will have in the afterlife, um, and they deny it because they say that created eyes cannot contain God, and we say that this is utilising logic to deny the revelation because there's clear revelation in these regards. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that, that's that's why we're different. And yeah. as I said last week, in terms of observable practice, um, it would look very similar to an outsider, but the, uh, <laughs> the devil's in the details. The devil is in the details and is also in <laughs> your religion? <laughs> uh, it's the devil in my religion. Yes, do you believe in uh, Satan? Do we believe in the devil? Yes. Uh, uh, yes, we do, um, and our view, I guess, is is very similar to the to the Christian view. Um, you know, there are subtle differences, but overall, the view is the same. You know, that is that um, you know, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, is a created being um, who rebelled against God. Yeah, Iblis, uh, who rebelled against God, uh, and uh, and now <laughs> so as a 
I'll just say an Arabic word every now and again. What that, that, that's that, that, that's all right. Jump in. I'm sure you'll get a bit of you know questions from your listeners uh, later on. Um, but uh, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, is is a created being rebelled against God and has effectively made it his mission to um, to lead as many humans astray as possible. So uh, is Satan responsible for um, what's his contribution to the to the state of mankind? Mm. I guess, in simple terms, he he and his followers uh, invite us to sin. Um, he doesn't make us sin. Um, ultimately, that's our choice. But he invites us to sin, um, and uh, and therefore he invites us to the outcomes of sin, um, which are obviously evil outcomes. You're right, and. Does he tempt, so he can tempt people to sin? Yeah, so tempts, yeah, invitation to sin, tempting to sin, uh, whatever terminology and, one would like to use. And yeah. he's a created, he's an angel who fell, is that the same uh, narrative? Well, yeah, so we don't say fallen angel, but um, as you'd be aware, we believe in, I guess, another created sentient being or, or class of being called the, the jinn that... Uh, uh, are similar, I guess, in, in regards to angels. But whereas we say, well, angels have no free will, so it's impossible for them to rebel, the jinn for, uh, I'm simplifying it for the for the listeners, are effectively kind of halfway between angels and human beings. They're sort of similar to angels in physical properties, but they have free wills, free will like we do. I can, that now this is just Shiite and, and Sunni, and we've already seen that there mm-hmm. is a real difference in emphasis and approach. Now, that's not to mention other faiths who I imagine, although I'm not completely sure, that you might, do you see Baha'i and do you see uh, the Druze as perversions of Islam? How do you see them? Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I mean, I guess I see ultimately the the Duru's and the Baha'is and, and these other sects has just been sort of emergent from Shi'ism, ultimately. Um, and, I mean, we can see that historically, you know, independent of uh, religious dogma, uh, and uh, and I would just put them in the same category. I'd say that, they're, yeah. pardon me, their faith is influenced by Islam, but it's not Islam. Right, okay, so their faith is influenced by Do you see them as, in, in Iran... Baha'i are very mercilessly persecuted by the the government. I'm sure they, the government would, would disagree with me on that count. But, of course, there's been a mass emigration of Baha'i from Iran. Mm. And that's not to mention, I think, the, the Yazidis um, who have, um, you know, been so mercilessly treated and, um, I, I suppose, persecuted. By um, I think it's the Iraqi government or the by by some Iraqis. I think it might be IS. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the, the Islamic State. So, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the appropriate response to sectarian uh, and fall away groups according to Islam? And I suppose Christianity and Jews as well. Okay, it's it's a good question and it's a complex one because there's a difference between. With regards to fall away groups, there's a difference between the individual founders who have uh, espoused uh, uh, have espoused this belief um, to to their followers, 
um, and the followers themselves. I mean, particularly now, like these sects that we're talking about, well, the Durus, I think, broke away 300 years ago. Um, the Baha'is are over 100 years old, I think. Of course, they they see themselves as, and and I, I, I'm being no expert, nor wanting to take any side. They are religions in their own right. I say fall away in terms of the view of the, um, well, the you know, the, of, of Islam, of Sunni Islam. That, that's right. And, and, and you're right. I mean, they do see themselves, themselves as distinct religions. I think the Yazidis are, are in a different case, and we'll probably come to them when we talk about Christians and Jews. They're in a different case in that uh, they, they predate Islam. Right. Um, but, um, or, or at least the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him. But, um, uh, but groups like the Druz and the Baha'is, I guess ultimately they, they, they should be treated like uh, other um, uh, non-Islamic groups, Christians, Jews, etc., in that they should be offered protection within an Islamic society, um, of which none exist at the moment, um, and they should effectively be free to, to live as they wish. Now, that doesn't include um, freely uh, proselytizing their religion, uh, but, um, but it does include all the basic rights that should be afforded to uh, a citizen of a state. Uh, you know, what's happening in Iran is, is a travesty. Uh, what's happening in uh, Iraq and Syria at the moment, um, particularly to Yazidis, but Assyrians also, uh, and Chaldeans, is, uh, is a travesty uh, and a tragedy. And um, uh, it's, certainly not, mm. um, it's certainly not within an Islamic framework to uh, just persecute in, uh, groups because of what they believe. Now, individuals that, um, that preach particular, um, I guess, doctrines of disbelief, especially if they are identified as Muslim to begin with, uh, need to be dealt with via theological courts. Mm. Uh, and the analogy that I'd give, uh, while it probably isn't a pleasant one, uh, would be you know, Inquisition-style courts um not uh not i guess uh, as witch hunting as 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 some of them became but but you know i guess islamic ones did become witch hunting as well in in uh, in sometimes in history but uh but nevertheless that's the way that they should be dealt with but but as for followers and indeed those that have been following uh belief systems that have been around for a very long time uh, they shouldn't be dealt with in that matter, and and uh, and they should be afforded the rights of every citizen of the state, with the exception of the right to proselytize their faith yeah. to Muslims. Why can't they proselytize to Muslims? Well, I guess ultimately, and and this probably flows into the question that you wanted to ask about: is it is um, the concept of al-dhimma, or as you said, dimitude, uh, a viable one today for a nation state? And I think that. Uh, all nation states would ultimately agree that the concept of a social contract is a is a valid one. Uh, it's certainly one that's been around at least since Plato and the Republic, and has been developed considerably since then. And and uh, Hobbes and and Mill probably summarised it best when they said, "Well, ultimately, this is an individual giving up some of their individual liberty for the sake of living in a." cohesive society and 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 that's ultimately the the short answer to the question that uh, they're not allowed to proselytize their faith um, because in I guess Islamic political theory it it doesn't facilitate a cohesive society in fact it facilitates the opposite now 
proselytizing the faith is different to defending the faith. Um, and indeed, in Islamic history in the past, uh, Christians have been encouraged to defend their faith against the, the challenge of Islam, and this has been done. Uh, you know, a very uh, prominent uh, Christian apologist in the early Islamic period, Yahya ibn Adi, John of Damascus, uh, wrote several treatises against Islam, uh, some of them that today would, would not pass uh, standards of political correctness. Uh, but these were actually published by Muslims and disseminated by Muslims and then engaged with by Muslims. Uh, you know, Muslim apologists then tried to argue against them. Uh, and, and that's certainly something that, that we would hope would return to any future Islamic society should it be established. But, but mm. I'm sure, yes. as I said, a Catholic can appreciate there's a difference between apologetics and, uh, and, and, uh, and attempting to evangelise uh, Muslims. Um, and while ask, the difference may be subtle, it's certainly there. Yes. What yep. is that example of the of the perfect Muslim society where there could be, or the ideal Muslim society where there could be mm -hmm. a system of, of dimitude and, and engagement? Does it exist? Did it exist once? Well, I think in history there have been pockets where it existed. I would say that it was an imperfect system after uh, probably about 40 years after the or so after the death of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, but perhaps less than that. Um, perhaps and, less uh, than that, you say. Sorry, you just broke out for a second. Yeah. But perhaps Sorry, less. yeah, perhaps less than that. Okay. Um, and, and then after that, it, it was an imperfect system with, with uh, pockets of good examples. So uh, Islamic Spain, for a good period, had uh, Jews, Christians and Muslims living in a cohesive society that fostered cooperation, uh, apologetic engagement theologically and, and, uh, um, and, and you know, a whole range of uh, uh, scientific and social developments. And it was a Muslim uh, society? It was a Muslim government? Yes, it was a, uh, it was a Muslim government. In the Iberian um, so, Peninsula, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, the Iberian okay, Peninsula. Okay, yes, 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 yeah. yes. yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and likewise, I think um, there were example, similar examples in Iraq, um, during um, the various uh, Abbasid uh, uh, leaders' periods, um, again, not all of them. Uh, some of them were were horrible leaders and and who took multiple opportunities to scapegoat Christians and Jews and so on. Um, but but um, you know the, the idea that there were times that uh, Muslims and and Jews and Christians and you know various other sects really lived in. In harmony and and uh, and and worked together cooperatively mm. under Islamic rule uh, is is non-debatable. I think that uh, there's a Jewish historian uh, Benjamin of Tudela who writes on Baghdad and and you know I think that this is an exaggeration, but nevertheless you know he he uh, he's getting a point across. He writes on Baghdad and says that there are a million Jews living in Baghdad. Um, and they live in peace and harmony. They're allowed to theologically engage with. Uh, Muslims, um, they hold positions in government, etc. And the same applied for Christians as well. Um, and uh, so obviously in this period when Benjamin was travelling through Baghdad, it, it was uh, one of those harmonious periods. Um, and yeah, as I said, they certainly did exist. And, and I guess, you know, if one wanted to explore, or they want to examine the Islamic so-called golden age in Spain and uh, the Islamic golden periods in Baghdad. What do you make of the Islamic State's attempt to recreate uh, a perfect Islamic, a perfect Muslim society? 
Well, I think they're, <laughs> they're having a very um, poor go at it. Um, I'm, I'm sure that um, they're, uh, <laughs> they're trying as good as they can, but um, they either have a very poor understanding of what a perfect Islamic society is or, or their idea of a perfect Islamic society is, is different to, I guess, what most people, Muslim and non-Muslim, would, would think it is. Uh, I and you're saying, so their idea of, a, if you could just repeat that, and, and, and I suppose to, to close, Abdullah, as well, because I'm concerned that I'm losing you now on the sound quality, but just a closing thought on that on that count. I think the thing that I would like to say to, to all of the listeners is that what's happening in Iraq and Syria now is is honestly a tragedy. Um, and, uh, and and I wish that there was a, a word with greater gravity that I could I could give it. And 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 while I mean, you know, I'm obviously not facilitated with uh, ISIL in any uh, associated with ISIL in any way, but um, but I would certainly you know apologise as best as I can for the fact that uh, Islam is being used as an excuse for what's happening over there. Um, and, uh, and and indeed, you know, it is now happening in other parts of the world with, with Muslims attacking uh, cops and, and uh, Jews in the Western world and, and so on. Really, what what we ultimately need is a, is a return to, uh, I guess, principles of, of discussion where we're comfortable and happy to engage with one another. We're also happy to accept that we have different truth claims. They can't both be right. Um, but uh, but we're willing to respect that, um, and uh, and hopefully mm. if we can come to that, um, and I was extremely encouraged by the display of solidarity that uh, Danish uh, or uh, I'm pretty sure it was Danish Muslims had earlier in the week where they formed a human shield around uh, a uh, synagogue on um, yes on I saw that um, that's the sort of stuff that I would like to see uh, not only in our society but I know does belong in the ideal Islamic society. And, and uh, hopefully these uh, um, disgraceful events that are happening at the moment all around the world, you know, whether it's by Muslims or to Muslims, uh, can, can come to an end as quickly as possible. Abdullah, we thank you for your time. It's been a really important um, and I think very worthwhile discussion that we've had. And, well, and thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate it very much. We hope you can be a friend of the program. We'll talk to you again sometime. <laughs> I'll try and listen to it regularly. I shall send you the links. And listeners, we thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, we're sure that you found this helpful as well. And remember that there's plenty more right here on Conversations with Daniel Noor that may pique your interest, hot topics, uh, and uh, important information for you to know, as well as on the Cradio website broadly speaking. You've been listening to Conversations with Daniel Noor. You've been listening to an episode of Conversations with Daniel Noor. And for more episodes of Conversations and for more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.